Welcome to the Renovate Church Sermon Podcast. At Renovate Church, we are passionate about teaching God's Word in such a way that you really get to know the heart and character of God and where you can apply the truth of Scripture to every aspect of living. We believe that God's Word is relevant and has the power to transform your life. We're excited for this most recent sermon and we hope it blesses and encourages you. I'm glad you're here this morning. Uh, We're continuing our series called Glue, where we're really looking at strengthening and deepening relationships. Because we've said it every week that the quality of our relationships really determines the quality of our life. And so the first four weeks, we spent talking about how we can continue to cultivate and nurture this relationship vertically with God. And now over the last five weeks, we've looked at how we can strengthen our relationships with our our family. And then over the next three weeks, we're going to look at how we can strengthen our relationships with one another, what the Bible has to say about community and relationships. And so today, uh, we're going to be in Judges chapter 6 in the Old Testament, And to give you a little bit of background on the book of Judges, uh, the book of Judges, uh, God has brought his people into the promised land, and they've begun to set up their community and way of life. And what happens is, is that God, in, in the book of Deuteronomy, God has told them kind of over and over and over again, hey, listen, um, I want you to be careful what it is that you prefer and what it is that you prioritize in your life. And I don't want you to to get swept away with these idols that other nations, the Canaanites and the Midianites and all this, these idols that, that they're worshiping because ultimately they're going to fail you and they're going to break your heart. And what happens in the book of Judges is that throughout the the entire book, there's seven cycles of where God's people fall into compromise and complacency. There's a result to that in their lives. They ultimately begin to cry out to God, and God then sends somebody, a deliverer, to actually restore them back to right relationship with him, right relationship with one another, and they begin to prosper again, and then they fall back into the same cycle of sin. So seven times in the book of Judges, there's this pattern of compromise and complacency, crying out, God sending a deliverer, and then God ultimately restoring them. We're going to look at one of those examples with a a man named Gideon. And here's what I want you to, to get. There's two big ideas that I want you to get today. The first is this. Breaking old family patterns can be difficult, but God honors our faltering and imperfect obedience. Because what you're going to see 
in the book of Judges is that things were not going the way God wanted them to go. And God comes to Gideon and God says, Gideon, I want to work through you to do something different. These patterns that are in the nation, that are in your family, I want to do something different. I want to bring you into a time of prosperity, into a time of freedom. But Gideon's going to have to actually do something that is really, really challenging. And you're going to see that in the text today. He's going to have to to do something. And here's the the second thing that I want you to get your hands around is that not only does God honor imperfect and incomplete obedience, you'll see that in the story, but guys, every piece of spiritual territory that God wants to, you to have in your life or your family is going to not come without a fight. And we're going to see some of the the challenges that Gideon had to go through. He didn't do it perfectly. But we're going to see some challenges that he went through that as he stepped into them, God honored him in that. And in in your home, listen, every piece of spiritual territory that you want to take in your own life towards freedom and prosperity and walking with God, everything that you want to see in your children's life, in your marriage, it will not come without a fight. The enemy does not want families to prosper. He wants to, he wants to destroy. In the book of James, it says, wherever you find Evil and dissension and contention and irrationality. It's always earthly, sensual, demonic. So he is always working to do this. So let's look at our text. Starting in verse 23 of Judges 6. The first 22 verses, God is coming to Gideon and and young people here today. Gideon's probably about... 17 years old. So God's God's coming to him. And so there's some things that you guys can see and learn as well in looking at this text of what it looks like to actually begin to prefer walking with God over what everybody else around you is propagating. So let's look at this. Starting in verse 23. But the Lord said to him, to Gideon, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. So Gideon Gideon builds this altar. Listen, an altar is something that you will see all through the Bible, over 400 times the word altar is used, and it's always in response to something God does. People begin to build altars, and it's a place of consecration. 
It's a place of, of preference. In the New Testament, it doesn't have to be wood and all these things that you build. You can build an altar in your heart. You can build an altar in your home. And it doesn't have to be physical. It's just saying, guys, we're going to put a preference and a priority and consecrate ourselves unto to God, unto the Lord. So this is what Gideon's doing. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace. To this day, it stands in Oprah of the Ezraites. The same night the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. It's interesting that this bull, this sacrifice, was seven years old. They had been in oppression for seven years. If you read back at the beginning of Judges 1. For seven years they were in a place of oppression. So watch what happens. This is God speaking. That same night the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. We're going to come back to that. Tear down your father's altar. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of its height. So tear down something and build something. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. I got feedback this week from some of our congregation on this passage of Scripture. And one of the feedback that came to me was, courage isn't always brash. Courage can sometimes be quiet. Gideon's being courageous. But his obedience isn't, it's, it's imperfect. He's, he's fearful. He, 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 he's, he's concerned about, what, what's my family going to think about this? What are the people around me? What, what are the people that I work with in my community and my neighbors? What are they going to think about this? But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. In the morning when the people of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished with the Asherah pole beside it cut down and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. They asked each other, who did this? And when they carefully investigated, they were told, Gideon, son of Joash, did it. The people of the town demanded of Joash, bring out your son 
He must die because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. But Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him, Are you going to plead Baal's case? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal really is a god, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. So because Gideon broke down Baal's altar, they gave him the name Jerubbabel that day, saying, let Baal contend with him. God is graciously approaching Gideon with an opportunity for a fresh start and a new direction, not only for himself, but for his family and for his community. God's God's grace is in this passage of Scripture. God is coming saying, hey, listen, I'm wanting to see you healthy. I'm wanting to see you restored. I'm wanting to see you whole. But first, he has to tear down some altars, and he has to rebuild some altars. Let's go back to verse 25. Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. If you do any study on the Old Testament, you'll see that this Baal and Asherah were two primary idols that the nations surrounding Israel consistently worshipped. And a lot of times we look at this and we go, okay, that's back then. We really don't do that today. But you have to understand what each of these things represented. Because Baal was ultimately tied to what what they believed that it brought was wealth, prosperity, and security. Do we not worship that here? I've seen more people say, "Uh uh-uh, I will not serve God if it's going to cost me my, in any way, shape, or form, my ability to be wealthy, to prosper, and to have security. We worship the gods of wealth and security here in, the, in prosperity. Come on, you see more people get outraged when gas prices go up a dollar, then with about 99% of things going on in the world. You touch a person's pocketbook, you'll start seeing conviction. This is what they were worshiping. Asherah, and not only Baal was wealth, security, uh, it was also power. Power. And then Asherah 
was the God of sex. It was the God of fertility. They would have orgies at these things. Guys, if you don't think we worship sex in this country, you are not only on the side here, we can do whatever we want, whenever we want, with whoever we want, whenever we want. Don't you ever tell us what we can or can't do. We worship that. But guys, the pornographic industry in the world is like a $12 trillion industry. Because we, people, we worship like they did the, the, the male and female form, sexuality, freedom of, this is what they were worshiping. And God comes to him, and listen, here's the thing I want you to get in this particular time of this passage, is that everything that Baal and Asherah were promising them, he wasn't delivering on them. They were in oppression, they had lack, they didn't have freedom, they were hiding, if you read that passage of scripture, in the, in the hills, because the Midianites would come in and ravage them. Because that's the thing, is that the world always promises these things, and it rarely ever delivers. And God is wanting to come, and he's, he's wanting to see them restored. But, but Gideon has to confront the altars. Now listen, if you read the text... I don't know why Gideon's dad allowed the Baal and the Asherah poles and altars to be built. It could have been that he just didn't have the energy to want to fight the battle. Everybody around me and the community is doing it. Hey, I'm just going to go with the flow. It could have been intentional. It could have been just the fact that he was abdicating. I don't know. But God calls Gideon, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Guys, every single one of us will have to make decisions in our lives of what we tolerate. I was walking with Mia yesterday. We were walking the dog. She asked what the message was going to be about today, and I was kind of explaining to her, and I said, hey, I'll try to bring it into real terms I was 23 years old. I heard the gospel for the first time. And I had to confront some altars in my own life, in my own family's life. Because to, to be a Christian, the whole first few years of being a Christian, I got persecuted from my own family. What are you, one of those religious nuts? What are you, going to run off to Jonestown? 
No. Hey, family, I know that we allow pornography in our home growing up. I'm not doing that. I know that church was not a priority and it was mocked and ridiculed. I'm not doing that. I know that cursing was celebrated. I'm not doing that. I know that talking bad about people behind their back was embraced. I'm not doing that. There's some things that I'm going to have to, there's some altars that I'm going to have to upend. And there's altars, and guys, here's the thing. In the book of Judges, they kept falling back into this pattern. We all can fall into these patterns. It took intentional effort from Gideon to take action, to to tear down some things, and to rebuild some things in his life. Gideon had to navigate cultural hostility, family pressure, and peers who pushed back on the new direction. Come on. Look at the response of the people when they found out that their idols had been confronted and their idols had been exposed and their idols had been dealt with. They weren't happy campers. There was a visceral response. And guess what? When you begin to follow God and obey God and do what God has called you to do in your own home, in your own family, in your own community, in your own neighborhood, there will be resistance. The enemy will fight you on every piece of spiritual territory you're trying to take in your family. Despite the discomfort and apprehension, Gideon took small steps of action that produced big results in his family, community, and nation. When you read the commentaries on this particular passage of Scripture, In Judges 6, 23 through 32, what you will see is that they will all comment on the fact that his dad ultimately ended up defending him. His dad had fallen into compromise and complacency. And when Gideon took a stand to go a different direction, it changed his dad's heart. His dad got realigned with God and God's purposes for his life. And what you see is then God uses Gideon not only to affect his family, not only to affect his peers and community, but the whole nation is affected because God uses Gideon and 300 people to go completely defeat the Midianites and bring health and prosperity back to his nation. This is what he did, despite the discomfort and apprehension. 
Guys, so how does this even look in our lives on like a super easy level? I can tell you that everything in the culture and everything in our flesh wants to resist building altars to God. I was with Dave Bennell yesterday, went to see his grandsons play basketball at the Y, really good players. And we were driving back and he was just talking about how many times they'll be out at the country club in Cimarron Hills and a lot of people there are very wealthy and he'll always say grace over every meal. And he says it's crazy the discomfort that you just, and he says like you can feel it tangibly, the discomfort. And he says typically the wives will always say, you know, oh, thank you so much for being open with your faith and being willing to do that. He said, but it's like, I mean, just praying over your meals at times with your own family can be challenging. Yet alone having a Bible study in your home or doing worship in your home or having spiritual conversations with your children. Come on. Gideon had to work through discomfort and apprehension to get to the other side. Every time I'm trying to, to have a spiritual conversation with my children, man, there's resistance there. Spiritually, personally. Each small step that we take, each small activity that we do is a stone on your personal altar of faith. All altars start with one stone and all can be rebuilt even if they've been torn down. Guys, the home, God said to Abraham, let me just read this to you in Genesis 18. Look at what God said. This is in the Amplified, Genesis 18, 19. For I, God, have known, chosen, and acknowledged Abraham, him, as my own, so that he may teach and command his children and the sons and daughters of his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is righteous and just so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has promised him. I've chosen Abraham. Why? That he may teach and command his children and household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is righteous and just so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham and everybody else that Abraham's family was going to impact the desire that I want to bring. The home is supposed to be the place 
of primary consecration and transfer of spiritual things. But it's hard. It was hard for Gideon. I got to go tear down these altars. I'm going to have to deal with people pushing back on me. Come on. And when we used to try to do Bible studies at our house, I mean, our kids would, we don't want to do that. (laughs) Ah! This is torture. Dude, we're doing a five-minute devotional on John 1-1, dude. Come on. Then we're going to get ice cream at Andy's. Work with me here. (laughs) No! (laughs) We're going to do it. Come on. Each small step, each small activity is a stone on your personal altar of faith. So what small steps can you take to build altars in your family and home? God was really convicting me of this the last week. Days just... Day starts, you get your coffee, you get on your devices, you you get going, you do this, you do this, you do this. And then there's just no time for God. Start your day off with a short time of prayer and consecration each morning before the pool of the day takes over. What small steps can you take? Remember? Gideon took small and perfect steps of obedience that God honored. He wasn't perfect. He he was fearful. He did it at night. He was apprehensive. God honored it. Start your day off, short time of prayer. If you're married, try and pray with your spouse. If you're single, pray by yourself or with a friend. Guys, to this day, I remember my mom at, when I was nine years old starting a backyard Bible club. And for a month, we would do, she would have Kool-Aid and food and all this, and we would do these backyard Bible things, and then we'd get to play wiffle ball in the backyard. And all my friends come, guys, imperfect. But when it, it was a deposit... It was a deposit that later in life, when I was 18, 19, 20, something was there. Imperfect. Incomplete. Powerful. Pray at meals together. Small step to build altars in your family. All that's doing is inviting the presence of God in. We're acknowledging, saying, God, we acknowledge you as the source. We acknowledge you in this, in this moment. Attend church regularly as the church seeks to build altars every week of praise, prayer, 
and consecration. Try and set aside time consistently in your home. Guys, it doesn't have to be, oh my gosh, okay, Pastor Day's message was so powerful. Our family, we're going to start doing this three times a week. And then you get discouraged. No, no. Start off and say, you know what? We're, we're going to try to just do this once in the next few weeks. Watch how God honors it. Set aside time for worship, devotion, conversation, and consecration. Be creative. Read a spiritual book together with your children, your family. Read and discuss a passage of Scripture together. Make space by periodically turning off televisions and devices to connect with God and family members and to enter in to conversations. Small steps that you can take to build altars in your family and home, all not overwhelming, but, but things that God honors. Last thing I'll say is this, guys. When you go back and look at the passage of Scripture, I'm going to read it again and close. God says, then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of his, this height, using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down. Offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants. Guys, it's so much easier to do this when you're doing it with other people. I can't tell you how much easier it was when we were in different places here when all of a sudden we had another family that were like, we're going to do this. We're going we're gonna to do a worship or we're going to do this or we're going to do this or we're going to go to... There's something... Gideon smart here. He, he gets people around him, 10 other people. And says, okay, let's go do this. I've never had anything in my life that wasn't easier when it was done with someone else. Man, the summer that I signed in the NBA, I held out for a whole first week of the season. And everybody was gone in my community. All the college students were back. Everybody was to their teams, all this. And I went every day and worked out by myself and got nothing accomplished. I'd be running. I'm like, all right, it says here I'm supposed to run 2,100-yard dashes. I'd run eight, and I'd go, that was good enough. When I had somebody with me, it was 20. And then he would go, let's go run the stairs too. All right, dude, let's do it. Come on. There's something. There's nothing. Guys, anything that I've ever done has had so much more grace and effectiveness when I did it with other people. Faltering, imperfect obedience 
is nonetheless obedience that God honors. I'm going to have the worship team come up. Gideon had to make a decision. Come on. All through the Bible, decisions, choices are powerful. He chose. What altars might God be asking you to tear down? Because I, I can tell you that almost every month God is putting his finger on something else in my life. There was a season where he was like, Dave, I got to put my finger on this pride. <laughs> you got to, we got to get rid of this. Because every time you get confronted or whatever, man, you're just, psh, don't, I got to deal with this. What alters is he calling you to tear down? And then what alters or what steps is he calling you to implement? And I told you this last week. God was, come on, it's his grace. He was saying, Dave, come on, get back to some of this. Make time for me. Get, enter into conversations with your children. Come on, set aside time in the home. Pray with your wife. Come on. Come on, it's powerful. Don't just let it, like it's, Gideon's dad, I think ultimately he fell into compromise just because he was probably tired. Ah, it's just going to be too much work. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this word. God, there's things that our culture has preferred and propagated. There's things that those around us, God, there's things in our own hearts and families that you're, God, you're calling us to, to tear down. And then there's some things you're calling us to build up. I pray you'd bring revelation through your Holy Spirit to every person sitting here. Speak to them. Give them grace and give them courage to make those decisions and even though it's hard even though it can be uncomfortable let them move forward in faith in Jesus name Amen Hey, we are so glad that you joined us for our service this morning. If you are interested in learning about how you can start a relationship with Jesus, we would love to be here to talk that through with you. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 12, that whoever has the Son has life. And we really believe that here at Renovate. So again, if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, if you're just interested in learning more about the faith, you have questions, we'd love to hear from you as well. Or if you want to grow as a follower of Jesus or get more involved in what we're doing, 
we'd love to hear from you. So just go ahead and comment on the platform that you're at or reach out to us by email at info at renovatechurch.com. Again, we're so glad you were able to join us. We hope you have a great week and we look forward to hearing from you soon.